Good morning and welcome to another podcast of Iconic Freedom, The Formula. We are talking about setting standards for accountability and responsibility in this journey of personal development. Let each care for self and all will be cared for. Fire! 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 Now you've heard it. Not shouted in a crowded theater, admittedly. As I realize, I seem now to have shouted it in the Hogwarts dining room. <laughs> but the, the point is made. Everyone knows the fatuous verdict of uh, the greatly overpraised Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, who asked for an actual example of when it would be proper to limit speech or define it as an action, gave that of shouting fire in a crowded theater. It's very often forgotten what he was doing in that case was sending to prison a group of Yiddish-speaking socialists whose literature was printed in a language most Americans couldn't read, opposing President Wilson's participation in the First World War and the dragging of the United States into this sanguinary conflict which the Yiddish-speaking socialists had fled from Russia to escape. In fact, it could be just as plausibly argued that the Yiddish-speaking socialists who were jailed by the excellent and overpraised charge over Wendell Holmes were the real firefighters, were the ones who were shouting fire when there really was fire in a very crowded theater indeed. And who is to decide? Well, keep that question if you would, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I hope I may say comrades and friends, before your minds. I exempt myself from the speaker's kind offer of protection that was uh, so generously proffered at the opening of this evening. Anyone who wants to say anything abusive about or to me is quite free to do so. And welcome, in fact. So that was from a speech that Christopher Hitchens gave back in 2006. As later in the speech, you'll see that it is in Canada, which was kind of fascinating. Um, so 2006, uh, quite a ways from 17 years, actually, uh, from when uh, that particular speech was given. But I find it fascinating because it's so relevant to today. I've posted this a couple of times on uh, social media, uh, and especially when you know free speech has been under fire, uh, most especially, and then with all the woke culture that's going on, uh, it's, it's very fascinating to listen to. And when I talk about words that are like Christmas, you're going to hear throughout this entire speech that there are moments that um, I've even adapted into my own lexicon uh, of sorts, my own languaging of things, because I just love how it expresses a lot of ideas and thoughts in a very succinct and specific way. Uh, and I hope that's what you get out of it as well. Uh, we're going to listen to a couple of clips. I'm going to have to do this actually in a couple of different podcasts. Uh, this thing is about 20 minutes long. And then if I'm kind of chit-chatting in between, that's going to make a difference. So I'm probably going to push this into two, maybe three different podcasts. Um, and then another one that I really want to talk about. And I'll find some really beautiful clips. Uh, a friend of mine sent me one this week was from Milton Friedman. And there is nobody that is more spot on about economics than Milton Friedman. So um, here's another excerpt from this. At their own risk. <laughs> and, um, but before they do that, they must have taken, as I'm sure we all should, 
a short refresher course in the classic texts on this matter, which are John Milton's Areopagitica, Areopagitica being the great hill of Athens for discussion and free expression, um, Thomas Paine's introduction to the Age of Reason, and I would say a John Stuart Mill's essay on liberty, in which it is variously said, I'll, I'll be very daring and summarize all three of these great gentlemen of the great tradition of especially English liberty um, in one go. What they say is, it's not just the right of the person who speaks to be heard. It is the right of everyone in the audience to listen and to hear. And every time you silence somebody, you make yourself a prisoner of your own action because you deny yourself the right to hear something. In other words, your own right to hear and be exposed is as much involved in all these cases as is the right of the other to voice his or her view. Indeed, as John Stuart Mill said, if all in society were agreed on the truth and beauty and value of one proposition, all except one person, it would be most important, in fact, it would become even more important that that one heretic be heard because we would still benefit from his perhaps outrageous or appalling view. In more modern times, this has been put, I think, best by a personal heroine of mine, Rosa Luxemburg, who said that the freedom of speech is meaningless unless it means the freedom of the person who thinks differently. So what a great part of the speech. Um, I think it's very interesting that right now, when there's a lot of people in this cancel culture, that nobody is tolerant enough to want to hear what other people have to say. It all becomes about racism, or right now, I guess the transgenderism thing is the big deal. And that seems to be the card that people are pulling out, is the, the race card, the transgender card, um, any of those kinds of, you know, aspects of society where people are uncomfortable having a conversation. Which is interesting because it's that very uncomfortable conversation that we actually need to have in order to get past some of this. And maybe people aren't going to agree, which is fine. They don't need to evolve and, and agree on certain things when it comes to individual liberty. However, what is interesting to me is that people would deny their inherent right. What does that mean, inherent right? It means you're born with it. Listen, there is no government, there is no law that can tell you that you have a right to free speech. The reality is, is that you have free speech. You don't need permission. You don't need a constitution. You don't need a law. You have free speech. Now, he's mentioned at the very beginning about Oliver Wendell Holmes making the judgment about what you can and can't say. You can't yell fire because it creates an outcome, a situation, a consequence for having done so. But if you heard me a couple of weeks ago when I made mention that, listen, a law never stopped a person from doing that which he or she was hell-bent on doing. So you can make all the laws that you want in the world, but that doesn't mean anything because people are going to do whatever it is they want to do. But I thought it was really beautiful to say that we want to hear from people that we may not agree with. Maybe we don't like what they have to say about religion, about politics, about economics, about a variety of subjects. Okay, but we still want to hear from that individual. And he's going to talk about um, 
the Holocaust and some, you know, questioning behind that and that kind of stuff. But you want to hear from these people no matter what. At the very least of it, minimally, what's so great about it is they're revealing something about who they are. And for me personally, wow, I want people to talk. I want them to say it all. Say it all, say it loud, say it in whatever way you want, whatever manner you want, whatever vernacular you want to use, uh, whatever lexicon you want to use, phraseology, uh, whether it's expletives or not, it doesn't matter to me. I want you to say it because I want you to reveal yourself to me so now I know how to manage my own life around you. I can be a victim to it and continue to stay in it, or I can be a victor and I can leave and I can walk away from that and I don't have to listen to it. And if enough people in society don't want to hear what somebody who's crazy, who we would say is crazy, is saying, it's like a pack of animals that, you know, one of them has gone rabid. And so what does the rest of the pack do? They leave them behind, you know, they leave them to their fate. They're on their own. Good luck to you. <laughs> um, and, you know, they're not emotional about it. They just do it, uh, which is so interesting to, to see the animal kingdom uh, behave in certain ways. And, of course, people love to personify by projecting themselves and their own emotions onto animals. Uh, you know, they see their sad eyes or what they call their sad eyes. I just think that's pretty interesting. But in any case, so I do think it's fascinating that we want to hear what everyone has to say. You want to hear what everyone has to say. You want to make yourself immune to having emotions and feelings necessarily uh, to the point where it triggers you into something else that takes you out of reality. You want to be able to basically empower yourself to hear and to see what people are doing so now you can navigate your life. It's like having a secret, right, that you hold close to the vest. You don't need to say anything. You're just observing. And in your mind, you're thinking, thank you for revealing yourself. I'll be moving on now. Um, my great friend, John O'Sullivan, former editor of the National Review, and my, I think probably my most conservative and reactionary Catholic friend, once said, uh, it's a tiny thought experiment. He says, if you hear the Pope saying he believes in God, you think, well, the Pope's doing his job again today. If you hear the Pope saying he's really begun to doubt the existence of God, you begin to think he might be onto something. Well, if everybody in North America is forced to attend at school, uh, training in sensitivity on Holocaust awareness and is taught to study the final solution about which nothing was actually done, by this country or North America or the United Kingdom while it was going on, but as, let's say as if in compensation for that everyone's made to swallow an official and unalterable story of it now and it's taught as the great moral exemplar, the moral equivalent of the morally lacking elements of the Second World War, the way of stilling our uneasy conscience about that combat. If that's the case with everybody as it more or less is and one person gets up and says, you know about this Holocaust, I'm not sure it even happened. In fact, I'm pretty certain it didn't. Indeed, I begin to wonder if the only thing is that the Jews brought a little bit of violence on themselves. That person doesn't just have a right to speak. That person's right to speak must be given extra protection because what he has to say must have taken him some effort to come up with, might be, might contain a grain 
of historical truth um, might in any case give people to think about why do they know what they already think they know? How do I know that I know this except that I've always been taught this and never heard anything else? It's always worth establishing first principles. It's always worth saying, what would you do if you met a Flat Earth Society member? Come to think of it, how can I prove the Earth is round? Am I sure about the theory of evolution? I know it's supposed to be true. Here's someone who says there's no such thing. It's all intelligent design. How sure am I of, of my own views? Don't take refuge in the false security of consensus and the feeling that whatever you think, you're bound to be okay because you're in the safely... So he really touches on what I just mentioned about how you know we want to hear from everybody. We want people to reveal themselves. But like Christmas for me, that last phrase where he says, don't take refuge in the false security of consensus. And I think, I mean, obviously, I mean, that idea of don't feel safe just because everybody agrees with you. You know, there was a time in our nation where people agreed that it was okay to have slavery. People agreed that it was okay to have suffrage. Uh, people agreed to a lot of things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's about individual liberty, which we've talked about as being the thing you want to protect the most, is the individual to have their own say, to have their own life, to be able to do that which they wish to do. As a society, we want to say, do no harm, because if you do, there'll be a consequence. And, you know, sometimes those consequences are legal, and then sometimes they are just through nature. That's just the way they handle them. But the beauty of that moment when he says, don't take refuge in the false security of consensus, think about how that applies to things, to people who have a, a religious view, people who have a, a global climate change or, you know, global warming or whatever they want to call it. You know, they take this refuge in this consensus or, you know, maybe they don't like a presidential candidate or, you know, oh, because all these people, these polls say, these polls say, it's like, well, who cares? Who cares what the polls say? What is it that I want to do? How do I want to navigate my life? Now cross-apply this idea of your own internal authority, understanding this consensus that people want to come to. It's interesting because when this starts to, to take on something in your own life, in terms of you observing this, you'll be amazed how often you start to see it. And you start to hear people say, you know, well, everybody knows, or it's common knowledge, or it's just common sense. It's like, no, you're trying to get me to believe something, or you're trying to get me to not question something. And I say, you question everything. If you're familiar with that movie Minority Report with Tom Cruise, um, you may want to go and revisit that. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, it's pretty interesting because uh, it is set in the future, and it's all about the thought crime. So we'll probably have to pick this up next week uh, and maybe the week after uh, until I can get through all of it. But I hope you're enjoying this. I did put the link down to the entire speech. So if you uh, are like me and you want to hear the whole thing now, uh, you can uh, check it out online. And then uh, we'll continue this um, dissecting of this free speech uh, next week. 
And we are at the end of another podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Hit that like button if you would. Share this with your friends and family. You never know what they might get out of this. If you'd like to subscribe, feel free to do so. You can do that on the website, link down below. My email is there. So if you have a situation that you'd like me to cover on the podcast, that would be awesome. I'd be happy to do that. Send me an email. 